today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Retired judge has been tapped to lead a review into the Toronto Police missing persons investigation probes in the wake of the MacArthur case. Uh, the team of eight will perform outreach tasks and generate community feedback on recommendations. Uh, also with Ross, we'll touch on other cases like the Bronco case and uh, the Sherman's case. Uh, Ross is with us now. Ross McLean, crime specialist, security expert, RossMcLeanSecurity.com, former Toronto police officer. And he is with us now. Ross, thanks for the time. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's it's a new year anyways. Uh, hopefully it'll be a happy one. Yeah, we'll hopefully, uh, you know, it'll be a change of heart for some as we move forward. All right, let's start because it's the latest news with the uh, uh, the Broncos bus, bus crash. Of course, uh, we remember how this gripped the nation and, and, and the world uh, when uh, these boys, I guess uh, male and females, lost in this tragic accident. Uh, the bus or the truck driver that was involved in the accident uh, has been convicted today or entered a guilty plea uh, to the 28 charges. Your thoughts on all of this? I guess there's nothing surprising here, is there? Well, there's nothing surprising. I mean, uh, good on the uh, on the person for doing the pleading guilty. He doesn't want to put himself or anybody else through it. And I'm sure even a lawyer would tell him there's it's probably only going to get worse for you if this gets dragged out. So, I mean, it's good that he's just pleading guilty. Hopefully what will come out of this, well, I'm not, and I'm not so sure about that. So what will come out of this is we'll start having a better look at safety on our roads and our highways with trucks. I dare say there isn't a listener out there within range of your voice, Scott, who drives the 400 series of highways who don't, who don't see near carnage just about every day on their trips. And I think it's something we really need to focus on. Here is what Scott Thomas said, one of the fathers of the victims. When he said guilty, to me, I have my, my closure. If he sends a day, if he spends 10 years, time is irrelevant. He was guilty, he acknowledged that. That's all I needed to hear. The rest of the sentence doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. It, it's not going to bring Evan back. Boy, that's a valid point, Ross. How, do, how, do you, how does one balance justice here when there is such a tra- tra- tragedy? Obviously, this person made a horrendous mistake. Uh, that being said, even the parents are saying, like, you know, as long as they've, they, they know what's happened, the investigation is complete, which is why we have to do these things. And, and many said the same with the MacArthur case. How many times do we have to go over this or, or the Della Millard case? How does this provide closure for victims and their families? Well, I think the the father in his particular case said it there. He wanted to hear it said. Um, some of us, we need different things in order to get closure for things, Scott. It's actually, it's a very personal thing how everybody reacts to the loss of a loved one. And I know that from having to do death notifications in the past and, and things like that. People need different things. And of course, some people never really quite get closure of it. So at best, we can hope that these people get the support that they need. I mean, who can imagine, you know, the, the the horror of what these people have gone through, you know, losing their most precious child, who is they had all the hopes and dreams for, in different places. So closure is a very tough thing. I'm glad to hear that father be able to say it. I hope it I hope it sticks with him, and that the others can find it as well. You know, terrible. we we often talk about uh, the police and their actions and 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 what they do. We're often critical. Uh, of them when they when they make a mistake and such but you know uh, uh, the officers that I've known or, or or members of my family who have been or friends or such they always tell me that the most horrific part of the job is what you called a death notification which means you have to go to somebody's home and tell them that a lump, loved one is lost how do you do that how do you prepare yourself for that well, they do prepare you. You do take a lesson. They do teach you how to do it. You're still not ready for it when it happens. 
And of course, the ones that are are the worst, though, uh, Scott, are the ones that are totally unexpected. And that is yeah. the case where it's a, a parent being notified of the death of a child, because that's just, that's when you don't expect, you know, it's just when you don't expect. So, you know, it's it's funny enough, they, they well, I won't give you the story, but when they train you on it, you're still not ready for it when you go and do it. But at least they tell you how to do it, and you try to do it in a way that's um, the best way you can break it to someone. There is no easy way to break it. Sometimes it's just ripping off the Band-Aid and being there to catch the person uh, and do what you can. It's, it's the toughest. I've had a friend say that it's everything from people lashing out at you physically to just people collapsing. Yeah, in in fact, that's the first thing they said when when they were doing the training with Oz is be ready to catch them if they collapse, yeah, uh, and be ready for them to punch you in the head yeah. or something because they want to go into denial. Who's this awful person yeah. telling me this awful story of uh, this terrible news? And they just uh, you won't believe it until you've seen it or been around it. But I think everybody can imagine it. What yeah. you'd say if someone came up and told you information like that, and if somehow you could beat that information out of existence, hmm. a lot of people would. All right, let's move on. Uh, a, a judge unveils a panel tap to review Toronto police missing, per, missing persons probe. Uh, obviously, the MacArthur case and, and uh, a very tumultuous relationship between that community and uh, the, the Toronto police. What, do, what will this accomplish? What can we learn from all of this that we, that we haven't perhaps already? Well, I, well, hopefully the judge who's going to retire, judge who's in charge of it, will be able to tell us because, I mean, this is, I think, now the third review. We've had come out on the Toronto police in the last little while. We had the one on carding. We had the human rights um, uh, one that came out. Now we have this one. And, and also, look, with this MacArthur case, What's interesting here, uh, Scott, is, look, I, I followed that case very closely, the yep. detectives very closely, and I know what went on there, and no one was passing anything off, no one was trying to let anything go. And in fact, Hank Zinga, when he was the head investigator, laid a complaint against one cop who he thought didn't deal correctly with one of the calls, so, you know, th- there's accountability there. But I also know that the uh, the chief turned around and he did an extensive review of every bit of how the department handles missing persons because don't forget there were some other issues like laura babcock who went missing in the tim bosma right. you know case right so they reviewed all this stuff are we, are we treating it right so there was just a massive review so hopefully they'll work off of that massive review but what's what i find strange is they said that this group of uh panel that they've appointed who, to be fair, many of them are basically their activists who are really on the panel who are looking at it. But hopefully they'll find a way of finding something here that, that moves the ball forward in some way. I mean, they say that they're not going to do any investigations around the MacArthur missing uh, persons because they don't want to interfere with the investigation. So I guess they'll be investigating how police dealt with missing persons over 10 years ago. And then trying to apply whatever happened back then to today. Or I'm just not sure how they'll come up with something that's good. Hopefully they do, because there are some concerns, I think, that the community needs to look out for themselves with uh, with some of the crimes that can take place against these people. So, so this will not address the MacArthur case in any way because uh, of the sensitivity of it at this point? Because the investigation is still ongoing and the yeah. trial hasn't been held yet. So they're not going to be talking about that. But look, there, maybe there are some issues. Like, for instance, you know, it's interesting, Scott, when we had the uh, 
the human rights and the carding report come out, that's saying that the police are over-policing, there's too much police around, we don't want them talking to us. Presumably this one is about there's not a po- enough police around, there's not enough police talking to the community. Or there's not enough, perhaps, tying with the community. I mean, this is very hard for the police. Mm. You, you look at, Scott, someone comes up and they're missing. And it turns out when they file the report, the police, they're missing, and it happens to be from a well-known, let's say, gay bar down in the gay village. How are the police supposed to handle that? Like, if they, if they start putting out information on social media saying so-and-so, are they going to be outing somebody? Is that going to cause a problem for someone? Or is the establishment not going to like the, you know, the fact that maybe the area is going to get a bad name if a lot of people are missing reported? So it's, it's, it cuts both ways. You know, it's the, the privacy for people. Uh, when the police get called in to investigate, all these missing persons can be a real issue. That being said, nobody, nobody wants to see neglect of duty in terms of looking into these cases. Uh, you were talking about the carding issue and, of course, the report that came out uh, earlier uh, last week. How, where are we going with this discussion? Because I remember, say, 30 years ago uh, when Toronto police were driving around in yellow cars, that it was about getting them out of the cars and back onto the street and beat cops and doing community policing and getting involved and get out of the cars. And it seems now this is done a 180 and we're back where we were before. So where is the happy medium? I mean, you know, I guess nobody wants to see somebody uh, uh, carded in the respect that they just walk up to say, hey, who are you? What is your name? I'm going to write it all down and stick it in my pocket. But where's the fine line between that and a couple of cops walking and beating saying, hey, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, because clearly uh, they've stopped doing that because they're worried they're going to get in trouble. So where's the happy medium, Ross? Well, I think we're going to have to wait for this, uh, the current provincial government to come out, uh, redo this regulation, and say what you just said, which is we want to have a happy medium, we want to have a happy balance. There can be nobody who's happy with the level of carnage and murders and shootings that are going on, you know, stretching from Hamilton to Toronto. It's just, it's ridiculous what's going on, and the police are only doing what they've been told to do or not to do. Uh, but it's just, it's just unacceptable. Uh, so... Well, we'll see if we get back to it. I mean, the way the regulations are written, I've, I talked to uh, Mike McCormick about head of Toronto Police, and he said, no, nah, we're not worried about it. Hey, carding's done. We won't do it. They don't want us to do it. We won't do it. You know, when you have the judge, who I think did a lot of doublespeak in his, in his report, he says, street checks are good, carding is bad. Well, why is he playing with the words? We all know that random carding of people for no reason doesn't do anything. There won't be a police officer who wouldn't tell you that forever. But it's doing the intelligence-led uh, checking that's needed. So I'm not sure that we're going to get to the balance. It's, there's a big job in front of it for everybody, but it's going to be paid for with, uh, <laughs> with blood in the streets. So I remember I was reading uh, some of the uh, material that the judge had released, and it, there was a piece, and I'm paraphrasing this, he said uh, in, um, in reaction to what you just said, he said there, there was not enough benefit to outweigh the social cost. So in other words, he didn't say it wasn't good. He just said the public backlash on this is so great that it's not outweighing the benefits from it. So that leads me to believe that uh, the idea of, of talking to people is a good idea. What we're doing is the, pr- the process is wrong. The procedure is wrong. So, I mean, again, how do you bridge that, that gap? 
Well, like I said, I think the judge contributed to it when he when he split it, calling it carding or street checks. I mean, I've talked to you about that before. So what if is he, the difference between carding and a street check? Well, he defines car, <clears throat> carding as being totally random, stopping of everybody for no reason whatsoever. So, you know, so Scott the cop got, jumps in his car and says, let's drive down to the plaza and just grab someone and get their name. Right. He says, that's uh, that's no good. That's That's a waste of time. I think everybody agrees with that. Yeah. But, but Scott the cop goes to where there's been a lot of shootings and human trafficking going on, a lot of drug dealing, and sees some guys uh, all hanging out and scatter when he shows up and decides to get a couple of them and find out who's hanging out with who and takes down the info. That's good. He says that's good. Well, that's what carding, as it were, always was. But it's been labeled carding is something bad. So we'll just have to call it street checks now and then it'll be okay. We'll just change the name. We'll rebrand it is what we'll do, I guess. And yeah, and, and now it sounds like it's arbitrary that you can just stop anybody for any reason. And, and it seems that we've gone from one extreme to the opposite. Well, as we've done with the uh, with the drinking and driving, right? You can be stopped. That was exactly that so. was exactly the comparison I was thinking of. And it's, it's interesting that we allow that, but we don't allow this. I think we have to get back, Scott. Honest, honest to goodness, where we have to get for 2019 is get back to the community and to the family and to how we live and get away from all of this political identity talks. I mean, good point. Black families, Chinese families, Tamil families, Scottish families, Canadian families, they all want to live in peace, go to school, get their work, and not be worried about getting shot, robbed, or, or something like that. So I hopefully we'll start having a talk that centers back around, I think, family and community values, and we get it as inclusive as possible. Instead of this trying to tear everybody apart and pointing fingers somewhere, we're going to point the fingers anywhere. Let us be. Let it be as the witnesses are identifying the gangsters in the witness box. <laughs> you know how does how does and again we're we're focusing this on Toronto because they're the biggest and and that's where all of this appears first. But you know it's coming to every other smaller Canadian city. So how does Toronto police move forward from this? How does the Ontario government move forward on this? Well, look, I, I think, and you're right, it's easy to say Toronto, but it's not just Toronto. I look, at, I look at Hamilton, and I see the violence that's gone on in Hamilton the last little while, and every major city in between, and you look at the coppers in those cities who have to deal with the same issues. You know, a Glock that gets fired off in downtown Hamilton isn't a whole lot different than a Glock that gets fired off in downtown Toronto. And the police have to deal with it. They have to deal with the opioids and the drug overdoses. And they have to have the resources to do it, and they have to be backed up when they go to shut it down. So it, it's a problem that's everywhere. And, uh, you know, personally, I'd like to see, we're not talking about it now, but if Ron Tavner gets in as the head of the OPP, no one understands guns and gangs better than Ron Tavner. There isn't any cop in North America who won't tell you that. And maybe we could get a provincial sort of unity going here on cleaning this stuff up, because these gangsters are in every city and town in Ontario. So you're a supporter for Tavener for the OPP commissioner? He look. He understands it. He's been working organized crime and bad guys since before I was born. <laughs> they know? say they say that he wasn't qualified, but the fact that he was doing that with Toronto Police Service does that elevate him above above others? He's done it with just about every police force in North America. He's worked on every special squad. He's directed the people who does it. He understands it better than anybody. And you know the best thing about him, and I'll, I'll just leave it at this. I'm not here to be a cheerleader, but yeah. he's one of those guys who, if you're working for him and he says, go climb a mountain of broken glass for me, you do it with a smile on your face. Because he leads, he backs you up, and he wants to see the problem solved. And 
And I think, you know, he's, he'll be a big help for morale. I heard a lot from uh, OPP coppers about their morale, too. They're not the most happy guys in the world. That was my next question, because you've spent time in the rank and file. Obviously, if you're in the OPP and you're trying to make your way up the ladder, are you happy with this? We've seen, you know, some some disgruntled people in regard to that and their comments. How does this play within the rank and file of both services? Well, the rank and file that I heard from the OPP are actually rather dismissive of their current leadership. They've been a club for far too long, and they're the ones who came out and got all upset when someone in their club didn't get in. And there was a lot of, uh, well, let's put it this way. There's one former OPP guy who's called for an investigation into some of the leadership there and some things that have not been looked into. So, you know, they're, they're not a happy group there. Everyone I've talked to likes Ron. They understand him. They know he's for the meat and potatoes frontline police officers who work with the community. And you won't meet anybody. I, I promise you, you won't meet anybody nicer than, than Ron Tavern when you meet him. You also don't want to commit murder in an area he's responsible for because hmm. he will find you. I uh, can't let you go without getting a final comment on the case of uh, Honey and Barry Sherman. Last time we chatted about this, a reward was offered. Anything more on this? Are we going to keep the silence right into the next year? Well, I think we'll have to wait for the report to come back from the Hubble telescope looking into the black hole. There seems to be this investigation. Oh, my. Because nobody nobody is talking. No one's coming out. Last we heard was the was the family's uh, private team coming out, offering the large reward for it, supposedly getting information on it. You know, they've moved that one lead investigator. She's being moved and promoted to go work, I think, in the Communications Bureau. So somebody new is going to have to come in. So... It certainly doesn't sound like to me like they're hot on the trail of anything. That's just my opinion. I don't have any knowledge on that. It doesn't seem like they're hot on the trail. But uh, still, this is a double <laughs> execution homicide of some of the wealthiest uh, uh, people we could have in this in this uh, in this country. That's for sure. Ross McLean has been with us, crime specialist, security expert, former Toronto police officer. RossMcLeanSecurity.com to find out more. Ross, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Think and let's think of the family for this 2019, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML.